0: source, Linux, computers, electronics, science, and amateur radio. We cover it all. Who are we? We are Linux in the Ham Shack, the podcast that brings you and your technology together with the power of software freedom. Join us live or listen offline. Visit us on the web at lhsinfo.org. We want to open your mind. We are Handshake. Well it sounds like there were some serious psychotropics going on during that. Um well doggone it. Let's get started with the show. <music> Well, hello everybody, and welcome to Richard's Radio Adventures. My name is Richard K B Five J B V. Thank you all for ju- tuning in this time. Um, I just uh, wanted to give y'all some updates on what's been going on around here at the station. You know, sooner or later we're going to get to some actual meat and potatoes, but you know what? Uh, I think I probably have a little bit of makeup time happening for uh, those few angry episodes that I turned loose of. Uh, sorry, Rod and Flo, um, but. Um, we're, we're gonna try and give y'all a little update on what's going on here. Sooner or later, I will have uh, some useful information for y'all. Uh, first of all, I just uh, I was able to this past week spend a little time with the folks over at Linux in the Ham Shack. Um, I feel very lucky that I was partially responsible for uh, creating that show. Um, but even with my departure due to um, work and general home life and stuff kind of getting in the way at episode 100, um, my co-host partner, whatever you want to call him, he picked up the ball and ran with it. So here it is, 2020, and they are current. I left at episode 100. They are currently at episode 370. 370 episodes of Linux in the Ham Shack. I think that's quite impressive. And there are other things that have been built up around it. Uh, Like I said, Russ, he picked up the ball and ran with it. He brought uh, Cheryl on board, uh, his significant other. And what sounds to me like a fairly top-notch partner, he uh, located himself, uh, Bill. In, in uh, E4RD, so uh, I was on there for episode 369, I was on there for episode 370 as well, uh, but I'm a little rusty in that type of environment, so yes, I'm in there, you can tell I'm, I'm talking about a few things, but for the most part, I was, I was fairly quiet. But don't let that discourage you from going over there and uh, giving them a listen. Because despite the name of the uh, podcast itself, which is mostly my fault, <laughs> uh, they do far more than just the Linux operating system uh, where it pertains to amateur radio. Um, listen to a couple episodes. Uh, the weekenders are kind of fun, and the uh, regular episodes are quite informative. In fact, they've had uh, the gentleman responsible for Pi-Star on there twice already. And there is a really informative episode about uh, putting up XLX reflectors. Um, It seems that just about anybody with a little bit of hardware and uh, some time on their hands can get one of these things up and going. And y'all all all know that I'm not the guy that's really big on taking amateur radio and putting it on the internet as far as uh, communication-wise. But this is part of the environment now, and at the very least, we need to get up to speed on it. So I'm going to give y'all a a web address so you can go over and listen to them. That's going to be... uh, H-T-T-P-S colon slash slash L-H-S dot info. L-H-S, Linux in the Ham Shack, or uh, for you old school guys, Lima Hotel Sierra, podcast info. That'll take you to the main page. You can see when they're recording live, and they do record episodes live. Um, uh, surely you can get some information on how to get to the IRC uh um, uh, chat and all that good stuff over there on the on their website. So I mean, and don't just go over there and listen to the ones with me on it. Go over there and listen to all of them because um, I have failed to listen to one since I left the show that uh, put me to sleep. Of course, um, I've heard it said that Bill says this is the only one that. Doesn't put him, that that Linux in the Ham Shack is the only podcast that does not put him to sleep. And uh, I just, I'm so happy to see how it has progressed since I unfortunately had to leave the show. However, uh, time has freed up some at this point. It may change back the other direction. And if uh, I'm allowed to, I I may show up for another episode or so. So, y'all go over and check it out. Now, I was kind of riding the Pi Star thing. Oops, sorry. I was kind of riding the Pi Star thing a minute ago, mostly because that's what's primarily been occupying my time. Um, I have a D Star radio and I have a, a DMR radio, and I've been steadily working at the copies of Pi Star that I have. I have two. I have my everyday hotspot and I have my experimental hotspot, which I do little things to, to see if they work before I put them on my everyday uh, hotspot. And I'm steadily coming along in leaps and bounds. Well, at least a crawl. Now we got the, uh, we had a problem with D star on pi star version three. Where I could connect to REF reflectors, which is the only thing I had ever or was going to fool with at the time, the old REF reflectors—they've been around since I got off the air when I first, uh, shortly, uh, not too long after I purchased my all my D-Star equipment, and I figured that was the way to go. So I was getting on there and listening, trying to find some some, uh, traffic and people to talk to and stuff like that. And, uh, I found when I tr- attempted to get on an XLX reflector, that it would initially connect and then every 50 seconds it would reconnect. And this was causing me to not have audio on the other end that kind of stuff and I did everything I could think of. I searched the internet for about a week looking for this issue and never found any information on it. However, in the process I did find out that a new copy or the next version of Pi-Star had been released. Well, after I had updated my firmware and made a bunch of changes and everything else, I went ahead and upgraded the software from version 3 to version 4. And I'm told that from now on you don't have to do it the way I had to do it. But it was, uh, it wasn't super complicated because I've been burning disk images to um, memory cards and CDs and DVDs for a long time so I was familiar with that process. And I went and got, uh, went and downloaded copy of Pi Star 4. I already had a little adapter that I used for some of my equipment, a uh, piece of my equipment when I was working on cars, which was designed to uh, uh, flash, uh, uh, crap, to flash the, uh, the little SD card. I uh, found an SD card, and for those of y'all that have been around a while, y'all will remember the Sansa clips that um, I used to talk so much about, and uh, we loved because they u- could uh, play uh, music used with open source codec and all that good stuff. But all of them also had a uh, card slot inside, and I went down and bought some memory cards and stuck them in there so I could have more music less of the time. So I took the card one of the cards out and uh, flashed it on there and let me tell you, do not use cheap SD cards. We'll get, there'll be more on that in a later episode Uh, or the video. Uh, I'm going to do a video on updating from three to four and that'll be over YouTube sometime in the near future so i took one of these uh, not so great cards put it in the adapter and plugged it into usb port and used a program called let me find it real quick used a program called i believe it's etcher let me look yes Uh, etcher which for those of y'all also that i haven't mentioned it or you haven't caught it when i did Uh, I'm currently using a Windows machine. I'm going to give those that have been listening to me a long time a chance to pick their jaw up off the floor. But at the moment, I'm using a Windows machine simply because I can't bring myself to wipe a brand new operating system when I get my hands on a piece of hardware. I just can't make myself do it. However, in about uh, 35-45 minutes, uh, windows will be unusable and I'll be back on uh, having Linux on my machine. And in Linux, there's lots of tools for um, burning disk images to memory cards or DVDs, that kind of stuff. In fact, you can burn a disk image over to a DVD from in Linux from most of the Uh, music software. Uh, Players that would be like, I don't know, uh, iTunes or uh, Media Player or something like that over in Windows. Uh, Most of those particular types of players have the ability to burn a disc image over to a DVD or uh, some other media. However, in this case, we had to go down uh, go find uh, this program called Etcher. It's been recommended by several of the guys that uh, are more respected in the field of Pi-Star and hotspots in general, so I decided to use it. Plus, I believe it's uh, it may not be uh, GPL free, but it's dollar free, and uh, right now that was an issue. So we got downloaded Etcher, got it ready to go, and it's pretty simple to use. We put the card into the computer, and then we went over and started to work with it. Now, I'm an old-time computer guy. I've been operating computers for uh, as long, uh, seems like as long as I can remember. I do know I built a 286 back in 87, 88, that you had to push the memory uh, memory chips into the board by hand Um, there was a while where I had a Commodore 64 around in high school, uh, a VIC-20 also Uh, my first packet computer was a VIC-20 same with the landline BBS's, y'all may have heard me talk about in the past in fact we ran one version of the BBS software ran on a Commodore 64 and a 900 meg uh, drive, hard drive, I think it was 900, no, I think it was 20, 20 megs, yeah, 10 or 20 megs, so I've been messing with this stuff a long time, so the thing I'm getting back to by giving you all that information is that I'm a little old school. When I go to burn or format a disk, which is kind of what you do with these SD cards, when I go to format the disk, well, first of all, you should always format them. Period. Secondly, instead of quick format, I do a hard format on them. I I don't care how long it takes. I hard format like they were brand new. So once I finished that, I got on Etcher, found the file I'd downloaded, burned it over to the disk, or to the drive, the uh, sd card pulled it out grabbed the hotspot, pulled the card out of there stuck this one in which if any of y'all have seen the video where i was talking about uh, going from uh, one video where i'm talking about going from three to four Uh, when i did that video i still had the one that had version three and i had the second one that had version four so i had to swap them out so i could show the difference when I was making that video. So I placed version four in there. I was told you can take a a backup, which you should always make when you're working with computers or anything else. But the backup that I made before I took out the old card I was told that you could drop that on the boot sector and it does work in version three. I haven't had any success. Well, I take that back. I got a little impatient on version four while it was getting itself together. And the first time I attempted to, you know, drop the config on there and let it go, I got in a hurry and when I brought it up, I was having to put all my information and stuff back in. The second time I did it, I plugged in the electricity so that the hotspot would boot up, and then I walked away and took care of some stuff. And about 15, 20 minutes later, came back. Almost all of my stuff was back. Uh, There were some minor things like color changes on on the dashboard and that kind of stuff that I did not get back and had to go in and fix them and quite honestly in the case of uh, uh, the old ugly orange screen that was on Pi Star 2 which is the experimental one now there's a red screen with a bluish background that looks kind of cool to me so once it's up and running and if it works properly when it's starting to boot up it does seem to run a little bit faster and a tiny bit cooler But also, uh, I started experimenting further. Now that I had it up, the firmware was up to date, the software was up to date, I got to trying to figure out how I can do more with this little piece of equipment. So I fooled with it, finagled with it, uh, got out on the web, searched for different, various things, um, multiple, trying to set up multiple DMR networks on one hotspot, uh, run um, D-star side by side with DMR, um, that kind of stuff. And right now on, well, on my everyday one, the only DMR network I have running is Brandmeister. Brammeister is easy to set up, it's easy to program. Um, There's a whole website dedicated to helping you make it work for you and that kind of stuff. Whereas some of the others aren't. But if you go and turn on the DMR Gateway or DMR to YSF uh, Gateway and you have your configuration proper, you can. Number one, you end up with a couple more interest, entries in the DMR section. One is for, um, well, it's basically DMR. Uh, there's a place to plug in to put up uh, an XLX reflector, get it to log in, uh, logged into when you fire up, and that kind of stuff. The problem I ran into with the adding multiple DMR networks is the fact that, yes, there's not a whole uh, lot of information. Well, the information is not easy to find for DMR. Plus. And once you find it, it's not super intuitive. I spoke earlier on an earlier re- uh, Richard Radio event. Inve- Richard's Radio Adventures about uh, there's a lot of people out there wanting to teach people but the problem is they assume that everybody has the basic knowledge that they have And <coughs> this turn sorry y'all barnacles <coughs> and uh, it turns out a lot of guys are just starting out you know this is Greek, was Greek to me when I got back on the air I'm an HF guy I've been a digital guy, I've been an MCOM guy, but as far as digital voice radios are concerned, yes, I did play with D-Star for about a year before I got off there, even though I wasn't super successful, my activity, well, it kind of boiled down to mostly listening to reflectors to see what people were talking about which I kind of do anyway, or have done since Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast started out, because it always gave me the opportunity to find some some of the best stuff to do episodes about. So this is pretty much new to me, and I was fairly clueless on it, and I wasn't prepared for the learning curve that goes with uh, programming radios that are even though they're marketed as amateur radios, tend to follow the commercial radio standards as far as programming and stuff like that. Uh, Where the hotspots are concerned, I had no real clue how to get started on it, luckily, and I hope I get his call right, W5TXX over in, uh, I believe he's in Richardson, Plano, Rowlett, uh, that part of the world was able to point me to a code plug that he had generated for everybody to use and put on his website and i was able to download that get it on my radio and get get started anyway so getting back to it uh well i got that on there i really didn't have a lot of information about the other stuff i was having a hard time finding it and getting it rounded up and everything else but i was finally able to get at least one talk group uh, on uh, working on DMR+. Plus. Now, I understand that there's a certain kind of sideways way to get those in there where you can listen to them and stuff, but that's okay. I just wanted to get these extra networks on there so that I can find somebody to talk to. Uh, for those of y'all that are wondering what I'm talking about, refer back to uh, Amateur Radio Wasteland, which was a few episodes back so, with that in place, we've got uh, uh, Brandmeister, we've got DMR Plus, and I start working on TGIF. Now, the biggest issue I ran into trying to get TGIF on there is that the version 3 of Pistar, you were limited to 4 networks in the DMR gateway. Now for those of y'all who don't dig in and work with the text files that are in PyStar, uh, most of the stuff that you do at the dashboard is written into this one file, which in expert mode you can go look at the text and even modify the text. Please don't do that unless you know what you're doing. But you can look at this text file and you'll see that it's got your information about your station, your call sign, your DMR ID number. Uh, If you have Brandmeister turned on or one of the other uh, DMR networks that are in the gateway list turned on, you have a section there with some information about how Brandmeister should be handled. Uh, Down below that, if you have the gateway or your DMR gateway turned on, there should be a section about DMR Plus. Below that is another system I've never really heard of. It's called HB Link or something like that. And that would be the three that, from the dashboard, the stuff will populate as you make changes on the dashboard or a uh, configuration file or configuration screen. Well, in three, Pi Star 3, you could only do four. So there's the three that it would put in there for you, and then you had room for one more. At least that's the way I understood it. Now, I'm trying to add that fourth one, and no matter what I do, I can't add it. And eventually I ran across a post in one, uh, on one chat group or something like that where it said that don't put four in there. It's not going to work. In fact, it will stop everything else from working. Which I had found out previously to that because I had to completely restore or restore from backup uh, the experimental hotspot because I was trying to put the stuff that they said needed to go in number four to get uh, TGIF working into that file and everything just kinda quit working now with the advent of version four in fact I believe when uh, I don't remember his name, the Pi-Star guy. When the PyStar guy was on Linux and HamShack, he was talking about now there are five spots for that where the software is concerned. So you can put information for five networks in there under that section that is DMR or where the, uh, where BrandMeister and DMR Plus and that kind of stuff goes. So I went and found what the best one I could find as far as uh, a way a working copy of the script for just that network, cut and paste, put it in, rebooted, and it was working. So I started trying to get into the uh, parrots on those networks and was having a hard time and went ahead and finally added a couple channels and was able to hear people talking on the channels. Uh, since then, I have not made a contact on TGIF yet, but at this time, now that I've figured out how you actually listen to what's going on on there, which in it's like I said, some of these are kind of convoluted in how you use them or monitor them or whatever, but once I got that figured out, I was actually hearing all the talk talk groups that I had programmed in, uh, not at the same time, but as people were talking on them. So now we had DMR running, or uh, I'm sorry, we had Brandmeister running. We had D-plus in a state of, we pretty much sure that it would run when we started adding uh, talk groups. We had TGIF running. Okay. Well, let's roll the dice. So I decided to try and get the DMR to System Fusion, or YSF, working. Because I've got a friend, well, y'all have heard me talk about Sander, KG4FET. Um, he's only about 10 miles or so away. And he had been trying to get me to purchase a fusion radio when I got back on the air. And I ended up deciding I'd go with DMR. So I decided to get the YSF gateway running. And there's a different way to configure that also. But it's a lot like configuring it for multiple DMR networks. And it's really not that hard. There's a lot of good information out there and that's another thing I'm gonna have to try and do a video on. Or get y'all some information this way. Or write an article about it on the website or something. So, I went in there and flipped on the DMR to YSF gateway, my DMR, regular DMR stuff stayed there. And just like when you turn any of the switches on in that upper part of the dashboard, I ended up getting a bar with some configuration information. And I went ahead and configured that out a little bit. And uh, went up there and configured that out a little bit and went ahead and uh, got the radio down. And there were a couple, I had asked Sander where he hung out. He hangs out on a room, a talk group, whatever they call it over there, called uh, Texas Nexus. Now, I think it's tied into DMR as well. And they have a room number with a similar number and I actually have made a contact on that particular uh, that particular one since I fe- completed getting the YSF set up. But when you do turn that switch on, you'll end up with a, it's a pretty small box of information. It asks if you want what uh, what room what talk group, whatever they call it, you want to start out in, and it's a pull-down list. And then it asks you if you want to use files that are only uppercase, host files that are only uppercase. I've seen some guys leave it on, some guys turn it off, and then wires X pass through, which just allows you to send WiresX commands through the YSF2 crossover mode thing but it's pretty basic. This is not anywhere near trying to get the DMR stuff working. So once I had that configured on and configured that little bit, I went ahead and uh, figured out how I needed to program the channels because there's a different way of programming the channels for that. Uh, Went over to, uh, uh, what was it? No, I didn't have to do that because I went over to the Pistar website, which it's not just about the software. There's a lot of great information over there, Pistar. Uh, Pistar.uk, I believe it is. And they have talk group lists for most of the, most of the uh, DMR networks and the YSF network that you may want to take a look at and the very last column on the right has the number that you have to use for that talk group because one of the things that makes it work is that you have to, well one of the things that makes it work is you have to the way you set it up there has to be a prefix on some of the uh, on some of the talk groups for the hotspot to translate that and then point you in the right direction to get there it, uh, yeah i know it took me a long time to say that and it's really not that difficult But I'm trying desperately to get in there while I'm talking to y'all so that I can uh, be a little more authoritative about this. Hey, look at that. Okay, so like a good example is if you have DMR Plus. Well, in DMR Plus, it's a little different. You like key up a talk group by its regular talk group number. And then you go back to uh, another channel and listen to the talk group there. I believe that's how that one works. I've, it's been a while since I fussed with it a little bit, but um, yeah, I believe that's the way it is. In the case of TGIF, that's a little different because when you set it up in the uh, configuration, you set it up where it has a uh, a number that you prepend to the uh, talk group number. A good example, I know that's a little difficult, and, uh, but to give you a good example, we're talking about seven numbers for that way it's set up on mine right now and uh, most of the paperwork out there or uh, instructional material out there is going to set it up like that. Uh, seven numbers. So, it doesn't matter how many numbers the talk group has, and right now I've got uh, one highlighted, uh, talk group 174 over on uh, TGIF. If you use 174, the total number of digits you're going to have when you program that in, if you use one of these that uses the same number system I'm using, then 174 would be 4000. Zero, 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 four. In the case of and it basically comes down to uh seven digits. And that's not right because that seven I was talking about, that's uh that's the YSF thing. However, these have a similar, similar, similar scheme going on, and you'll just have to kind of dig into the paperwork. Like I said, I really need to do some instruction on this, um, which means I'd have, I'd be able to pull it better together better for myself. But uh, let's move over to the YSF a minute. The YSF and uh, Oh, doggone. YSF and FCS reflectors, the lists over there on the Pi-Star website already have a column over on the far side side that's pre-populated with the talk group numbers, and all you have to do is go through there and punch those talk group numbers in once you have it set up correctly, and you have those talk groups going on. In, that, in this case, okay, uh, Fusion Reflector List is what I'm looking at, YSF. And 43110 appears to be uh, Australia, New South Wales. It's uh, abbreviated AU-NSW, but Australia, New South Wales. Um, if you were logging in there, DMF, it would be that number with a uh, octothorpe or what they call a pound sign in front of it. The actual talk group number is shown in a, li- a category in a uh, column as well, uh, which is labeled DMR to YSF talk groups. And then the very last column is DMR to YSF talk groups via DMR gateway. And if you're running a hotspot, this is where you want to be because you wanna be program, programming this into your radio so that you can go through the hotspot and get in these rooms on y, uh, YSF. Right, so in that case, where we were talking about 43110 Australia, New South Wales, if we were programming it up for my radio, I have an any tone uh, 878, If we were programming it up for my radio to use with my hotspot, my experimental hotspot, which is the one that is on right now until I move it to the main hotspot, the room number on the channel or talk group number on the channel I would be programming would be 7043110. Okay, and you don't drop those zeros as you have fewer uh, smaller top group numbers because in the case of uh, something called Berks County uh, the top number on uh, Yezu is 00076 which translates through the gateway as 7000076. yeah they're extremely long but one, you only gotta program them in once you put a good name and you know what you're looking at I'm the one that has to look at the hotspot and go back. I see the group on the screen and have to go back and check to see what it is and if it's something I'm supposed to, that I programmed in there. Because sometimes you'll, uh, uh, in the case of, what was it? In the case of TGIF, uh, if you log into one of the talk groups, uh, 777, I believe it is, you hear it everything on TGIF. It doesn't matter what talk group they're on, you're going to hear them. You aren't going to hear people talking over each other, but if somebody's talking on a talk group, you will hear it on 777. Unless you're already listening to and it hasn't released a person you were already listening to on 777. It's a little confusing, but, um, maybe I'll get in a position where I can find some time to offer a little clarity. But also, while we're at the Pi-Star website, you can download new versions or uh, you can download the operating system. Um, There's different information about what is a multi-reflector. There's some older information on building. On Well, this thing's, it's called Wi-Fi Builder. It builds what you need in the configuration file to operate Wi Fi. However, that's already on board with Pi, Pi Star, uh, well, and was when with the first version I had. Uh, there's a place for usage stats, there's forums if you're trying to find help, all, all that good kind of stuff. Uh, they've got even a place for links down at the bottom uh, Pi Star Reflector and Oh, the nice gentleman that runs this. I keep forgetting his name. And if Russ tells me he's been listening to these, he's gonna get me about this. Okay, Andy Taylor, uh, MW0MWZ. So, uh, I mean, so here's the information you got so you can get out there and, and go. Uh, look around for ways to update your uh, software if you're having issues. Go over to the Pi-Star website and get those talk group, that talk group information that uh, you're going to need to get your radios programmed. If you have problems and you're running version three of Pi-Star, go ahead and hurt, uh, go ahead and upgrade it to to uh, version four. Uh, you're not going to lose anything. Um, I meant to get away to show the equipment I ended up purchasing because originally I used what I told you all I used. Since then I bought a little USB uh, um, little USB stick that you can plug the SD card into. You can read and write to the SD card. You can use Etcher to put a disk image on the SD card. And I paid for three Uh, cards and the device to uh, burn them with, I paid less than $25. So it's really easy, really easy. And I have probably talked and talked and talked and need to let you all go because unlike, uh, unlike Linux in the Ham Shack, if Bill was listening to this it would probably put him to sleep. (laughs) Anyway, I'm going to keep y'all posted. And y'all remember to go on over to Linux in the Hamshack. Check out episode 69 and... uh, 6, 69 and... Ah, crap. I just can't keep up with all this stuff. I don't know why I can't keep up with all this stuff. But, you know, I've been hitting the head a lot. Some of y'all know I've been going through uh, uh, family medical issues, hadn't had a lot of sleep. However, everything, anything is better than alcohol fuel. So, go over to Linux in the Ham Shack. Uh, grab uh, episode 369 and 370 when it comes out. Uh, I had an opportunity to talk a little bit on both of those. The address for that website is lhspodcast.info lhspodcast.info. And then don't forget to come see us because we are still at uh, rfpodcast.info for Linux and Ham Shack. We have an RF Podcast uh, group over on Facebook. We uh, are kind of working and doing different stuff in DFW Elmer's over there on Facebook you can send me an email at kb5jbv at gmail dot com and over on youtube yeah sure enough it's got my name the uh, channel that has the videos has my name, the name is, my name on it is Richard Bailey but i'm sure if you get the search engine you punch in mmdbm firmware or uh, xlx reflectors or uh, Going portable with 878 and uh, a hotspot, or even testing the webcam after a six-pack. Y'all are gonna run into at least one of the videos, and it ought to lead you back to the place. I got to see about changing the name on that channel because uh, it'd make it easier for everybody to find. Okay, so. I think we've done wore out this particular piece of tape. Well, we don't use tape anymore. It's all digital. But we've pretty much wore out uh, what little I had to say about this. Even though I'm the only guy y'all know that can spend a long time talking about just a little bit of stuff. So, y'all come see me. Check out my stuff. Uh, we're going to keep at it. We'll be getting some more resonant frequencies reposted here in the next little bit. And go by the website. My count count of people coming by there has dropped right off since we started putting a few videos up and doing things over on Facebook. The uh, website itself, the count has really dropped off. So with that, until next time, kids, I'm Richard. JB5JBV out in the radio wasteland of Peril, Texas. And we'll talk to y'all later. We gotta go.